And we are having technical difficulties again with our intro. Apologize about that. But welcome inside another episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Duval. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined as always by Jeremy Markoski. What a whirlwind it has been over the last several days in the NFL. Legal tampering period opened Monday at noon. Teams have been on a massive spending spree around the league, especially when you look at the Patriots, the Jets. And of course, your Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get into all of that. But first, Jeremy, how the heck are you doing? Doing good. Just uh, spent a nice weekend in Jupiter um, at a cousin's wedding. Um, you know, got to rest, relax a little bit, recuperate. Things are good. The Jaguars are making some moves. Um, people were panicking early, but, you know, it, it's a slow process. It's a slow game. Everything was looking good so far. Yeah. Jupiter, Florida, I'm assuming. We're not. And space travel yet, I don't think, <laughs> yep, right? Yep, Jupiter, Florida. Um, stayed in Riviera Beach for the weekend. Uh, drove up to Jupiter for the wedding. It was very nice, very relaxing. Definitely some uh, well to- uh, well-needed time away. Yeah, I hear you on that. I'm heading to Savannah this weekend to celebrate the anniversary. Excited about that. Of course, it's supposed to rain all weekend. So, Oh, hopefully you guys get <laughs> spared of that that bad weather. I know there's, uh, there's definitely some coming across. Yeah, but, you know. We'll we'll drink our sorrows away. Hope we were hoping it was going to be like a nice, sunny, you know, mid seventies type of weekend, but it's not looking like it. Yeah, but that always works. All right. Just knock a few back, you won't even notice. Yeah, non refundable Airbnb, of oh. course. So we got to go. So you're locked in. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm not going to complain because Jaguars football's got me pretty fired up. We're going to talk about everything that happened with Jaguars free agency today. We're going to break it down day by day and then kind of look at a big picture of where the Jaguars are at moving forward. Uh, Make sure to check out genjag.com to keep up with all the latest Jaguars news and analysis. Of course, we'd like to thank Bold City Brewery. Check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street and their Riverside Tap Room on Roselle. Make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markoski, myself at Jordan Belugo, and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. So, Jeremy, let's just jump right into it. Um, Day one of free agency, or the legal tampering period, uh, which for all intents and purposes, it is free agency. I don't even know why they try to to mask it um, or pass it off as not being free agency because most of the big free agent signings have been completed, obviously. Wide receiver market, that's been a little slow. There's still plenty of guys out there. We'll talk about that. But prior to... The start of the legal tampering period, the Jaguars actually agreed to terms with interior offensive lineman Tyler Shatley, who's been a Jaguar lifer, former undrafted free agent, and cornerback Trey Herndon. He spent some time on the outside, also spent some time at nickel, probably a more natural nickel fit for Trey Herndon, but they got both of those deals done on Friday. There's no details on the money yet with those. Of course, they're going to be very low. Tyler Shatley is a depth interior offensive lineman, can play center or guard. And Trey Herndon is also looking like he's going to be a depth cornerback. Is that a – can you get oh, – there we go. Sorry about that. Um, I, was, oh, you're I was trying to <laughs> block out some of the outside noise. But, yeah, they made a lot of depth signings. Um, you know, kind of start off like you were saying, the legal tampering period has never made any sense to me. 
I don't understand why that's even a designated period in the NFL. Like you said, all the big names, you know, they're, they're getting pulled. It took a little bit of extra time, but they're getting pulled. So I don't understand this whole legal tampering period. But um, the Jaguars are definitely making, uh, I think, a lot more headway than people are realizing. Um, there's a lot of depth being added to the team, something that we didn't see last year, something that you don't really see, um, especially when things are bad, um, even when things are good. You know, you're, you're not going to notice how much depth you have, but when you start to see guys go down like we did last year in certain situations, you know, and the team just become an absolute disaster. That's because of depth. So all the depth signings that they're making, um, I think, are fantastic. Shatley is a guy who's been here, knows the offense, has proven that he can come in. Uh, he may not be a starting caliber guy, but he can get you where you need to be if you need uh, some reps um, over a few weeks if someone goes down, something like that. Um, Trey Herndon, again, another guy who we've seen around the last couple of years. I think you're right. I think you're spot on. I think he's more of a nickel guy. Um, and the Jaguars really had no option but to play him on the outside and I just don't think he has the wheels to play on the outside uh, but what he does do really well uh, you know is kind of get up in the face of defenders at least at the line he's very long has a lot of length to him I think that's going to benefit him a lot uh, on the inside and the wide receiver market obviously you know the Jags made a depth signing there um, with Marvin Jones and I think that's just a depth signing personally he's going to be obviously a focal point um, of the offense. And we'll talk about that more on when we get to day two. Right, right. But we're looking at, okay, so we're looking at the, the wide receiver market as a whole. It's just saturated. And that's something we discussed last week when we were going over offense. There are just so many names out there. Um, you know, teams are going to want to wait to see where the money's going, how the chips fall before they go out and shell an unreasonable contract to a guy. They're going to let the market set itself, especially in this age, um, you know, with COVID and everything and the salary cap situation being where it's at. They're going to let the market set itself before they just go out and spend a ridiculous amount of dollars. Yeah, that's that's the way it's been around the league. And like you said, saturated. Uh, the free agent market is saturated with wide receivers. Teams already have a lot of good receivers on their rosters. And, of course, the draft. Every year we see it now, saturated with wide receiver talent. So it's just not going to be the type of position that's going to generally be getting the big bucks nowadays because there's so much availability and talent there. But looking at what the Jaguars did getting into the start of the legal tampering period after shoring up some depth at the uh, offensive line with Tyler Shatley and and the defensive backfield with Trey Herndon, uh, their first signing, defensive lineman Roy Robertson-Harris, three years up to $26.5 million. 2021 cap hit, only $3.9 million. Uh, this is a guy who's been a depth player, rotational player for the Chicago Bears. A lot of Bears fans and media really like him, but he just never really took the step into the starting lineup for the Bears. The Bears have had a ton of talent up front on their defensive line, so it might not be too big of a knock on him that he hasn't been able to crack the starting lineup or crack a bigger role there, but he's got length. He's got strength. I don't know that he's worth the $8 million a year that the Jaguars signed him to, but $8 million a year is not a lot in the NFL these days. It's only three years, so it's really not going to cost the Jaguars too much, even if Robertson-Harris doesn't develop into a starting caliber player. Absolutely, and I haven't seen a lot of tape on this guy yet, but I'm really interested, um, you know, in seeing what he Length has Length and strength, offer. baby. That's what I see from That's him. what I've heard, and a little bit of athleticism, and, and he's – you know he's super tall, um, and I think that's going to to bode well um, for his presence inside, especially along this interior defensive line. And you know I think when you start to transition more to this, you know, 
we're going to say it again, three, four scheme that we may be seeing a lot more of from Jacksonville this year. You need a guy like that. Um, a guy who's going to be athletic in the middle. Um, you know, if, if he's going to eat up blocks, he's also got to get his hands up in the passing game, uh, deflect some passes, make it a little bit more difficult for the quarterbacks to see over the line. That's the kind of stuff you need. And, and, you know, if, if they're that high on him, like you said, he did not get a lot of playing time in Chicago, but that defensive line, that defensive unit is stacked. It may not speak negatively to him. Um, you know, he wasn't being, uh, he wasn't having his snap count reduced due to poor performance or anything like that. So I don't think there's any red flags there necessarily. Um, and the contract, you know, it may be a little bit more than what we were thinking for a guy like that. But if you look at some of these, um, breakdowns that we've been seeing especially on twitter as some of this information comes out i'd love to see what language is in these contracts you're seeing a lot of uh you know one-off years for the jaguars here um especially you know with, with some of these older uh maybe uh you know guys that need to prove it a little bit more they've got really low cap hits in year one and the money's back in a little bit more on year two and year three we haven't seen really any long-term contracts uh given out as well so i'd like to see if the language especially um you know uh for for roy here has you know some um, language that, that allows him to get out of it after year one because that cap hit is a lot more strenuous in year two and year three. But you know, yeah, it's a fourteen million dollar fourteen million dollars guaranteed. So it looks like they could get out after year two, right? So you know, I, I don't think it's anything to necessarily be too concerned about. And when you have this amount of money, you know, I, I just it, pay if if you think it's worth it, go for it. So we'll have to see. Obviously, there's not a ton on film for us to get, you know, a feel on him, but they've got to have, you know, some hope in this guy. Uh, you know, if he's a rotational guy and they have plans to bring in, you know, somebody else uh, for the draft or whatever, um, you know, I, I just hope he fits the system nice. He's got a lot that you can look at uh, and really be pleased to see, you know, something that the Jaguars don't really have on that defensive line, you know, a real tall guy in the middle uh, who can really disrupt, hopefully, the passing game. That's what I was really thinking about when I saw them sign him. Yeah, I think he does have a lot of potential when it comes to kind of pushing the pocket and also obviously with those long arms being able to deflect some passes. Uh, he can definitely slow down the run as a 4-3 end or a 3-4 end, and he can kick inside and, like I said, push that pocket in pass rushing situations. You haven't seen a ton of him. He is coming off a shoulder injury, so you want to make sure he's fully healthy. He's 27 years old. I think the fact that this was the first signing was a little bit shocking, and the fact that he got $8 million a year, a little bit surprising, especially when you look at a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson getting $11 million a year, um, and Tomlinson is obviously much more proven, a little bit younger, and maybe just a little bit of a better player overall. But Robertson-Harris, he's got p positional versatility. The Jaguars are going to want to use that multiple front style you know, running three, four and four, three looks, maybe some more exotic stuff than that. So I think he's a fit, um, not sexy, but a good rotational piece on that defensive line. Then you look at their second signing, Jamal Agnew, 25 year old punt returner and kick returner. That's primarily what he's been. He came into the league as a cornerback out of college. He recently transferred or um, transitioned over to wide receiver. He was only targeted 20 times by the Lions last year. But five kick return slash punt return touchdowns in his four-year career in the NFL for the Lions. Uh, knows Daryl Bevel's scheme, obviously, coming from Detroit, where Daryl Bevel was for the last two seasons. And uh, you're talking about a guy that's going to come in and immediately just take over 
the kick and punt return job and really help the Jaguars improve their special teams, which is exactly what Urban Meyer is going to want to do in year one. He's been a coach throughout his tenure uh, in college, you know, Utah, Florida, Ohio State. At all those schools, he heavily emphasized special teams. He's obviously continuing to do that here in the NFL. Jamal Agnew is an example of that. He got three years up to $21 million. He's not likely going to get anywhere close to that. And the 2021 cap hit is just $2.6 million. And these cap hit numbers are from overthecap.com. They do a great job if you're ever curious about any of the salary cap information for the Jaguars. So what do we think about Jamal Agnew? Just like you said, I mean, Urban Meyer is not going to be a guy who's going to shy away from securing all three phases of the game, including special teams. Um, I think that's something very important uh, in the NFL today. It's something that you don't see very often anymore, but great teams have great special teams. And the Jaguars have had a solid special teams unit uh, for the last few years. Obviously, last year was quite a fluke with everything going on, with with you know Lambeau being out, the Special teams as a whole was not great, but Agnew immediately, you know, puts a playmaker back there to return kicks, punts, you name it. And on top of that, with having Bevel here, he's going to know the offensive system. There's not going to be, you know, really any lag there for him. Uh, So if you want to get him in on some, you know, gadget type plays on the offense, he's a guy who has great wheels, a lot of speed, can do a lot of different things that maybe some of your other receivers can't do. So I think it's just a perfect fit. You know, he's going to come in and immediately become an electric punt returner, kick returner. Um, like you said, he's done that extremely well, better than anybody since he's entered the league. Um, so it's absolutely a necessary signing, in my opinion, and it impacts two phases of the game. Yeah, very exciting, I think, to get a guy. And when I talk about those touchdowns, four of those touchdowns are punt return touchdowns. I don't think you've seen a quality punt returner in Jacksonville since Jaden Mickens was doing a pretty good job a few years back, but that was a very brief tenure. Agnew has proven that he can do it over a long period of time. Um, You know, again, maybe not the sexiest signing in the world when you're talking about other teams making, you know, blockbuster signings early on in the legal tampering period, but really going to help your special teams out. And so is the next guy they signed, Rudy Ford, 26 from the Eagles. He got two years, 4.2 million. He's a safety. He's six foot, 190. Um, He's going to come in and be a core special teamer, a guy that should be able to rack up some tackles and just really help out the special teams unit. His 2021 cap hit is only 1.6 million. Again, not sexy, but getting a core special teamer in here um, is not a bad thing. Yeah, nothing fancy. Like you said, just depth and special teams. Um, and, and that's necessary. So, you know, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter and we'll get into a little bit more, you know, that, that you know, these signings are a joke and people were really up in arms day one and after day one heading into day two. But these are necessary signings. You don't think about it, you know, when you are following a good team or a team that doesn't need stuff like this. The Jaguars need depth. They need help on special teams. And you're addressing that need through free agency. You know, the the talk of the town lately has been, you know, free agency is for filling needs. Drafting is for talent. Depth is a need. Special teams is a need. Um, You know, and this these are gonna be guys that can get that done for us. Yeah. And then you look at um, DeWan Smoot, they brought him back, defensive end. Obviously, Jaguars fans know him very well. He's 26 years old. He got two years, 14 million, 
2021 cap hit of just 3.5 million. You got to really like these low cap numbers. And we talked about just how the Jaguars were going to be able to structure these contracts to where the first year cap hit was not going to be too bad. And you're seeing it with these numbers, 3.5 million on a two year, $14 million deal. Uh, you got to love that. These signing bonuses and the, the wording and the contracts, even though it's a new regime, they're still doing the same things. And a lot of that is thanks to Shad Khan's willingness to pony up so much cash up front. But Dewan Smoot, you know, he hasn't been an overly uh, effective or efficient pass rusher. But over the last two seasons, he's racked up 11 sacks. Uh, you can't really argue with that as a guy who's going to be another rotational piece on that defensive line, can play defensive end, can kick inside and play defensive tackle if you're talking about clear pass rushing situations. Uh, another signing that really helps your depth along the defensive line, Urban Meyer made an emphasis, point of emphasis, uh, last week talking about building this roster that building up the defensive line was going to be critical. Robertson, Harris, and Smoot help with that. Right. There are two schools of thought um, on defense. You know, it's, it's you have a strong enough secondary to where they can lock down, uh, you know, the opposing team's wide receivers and allow your defensive line to get pressure. Or the flip side of that, you have a defensive line who gets an immense amount of pressure quickly and makes the secondary look ungodly. And I think Urban Meyer is taking the latter approach there. He's going to want an attacking defensive line, an attacking front that's going to get after the quarterback quickly. It's going to apply pressure. Something we haven't seen in Jacksonville in a few years, if we're being completely honest. The pressure rate just wasn't there at all. The defense wasn't getting after the quarterback at all. Smooth's not going to be a guy who's going to go out there and put up ungodly numbers. But we talked about this earlier in the year. Um, I remember bringing it up that uh, Smoot's pass rate increased dramatically over two years. And that's something that you can look at. I know he's not seeing the field a lot and you can, you know, kind of take that how you may, you may maybe his small number of snaps, you know, is kind of over gouging those pass rate rush numbers. But I think that that pass rush win rate, it, it is what it is regardless. And he is improving. So he may not be the guy that's going to go out there and get you, you know, 10, 12 sacks on the year, but he's going to go out there and be a guy who's going to play hard uh, rotationally. I think he's going to be a great guy rotationally on fresh legs uh, when you need him to be. And like you said, versatility. And he's been here. He knows Jacksonville. He knows the locker room. Um, He's obviously a guy that they think embodies um, the core attitude um, really that they, they are looking for, or they wouldn't have brought him back. Yeah, then you look at Philip Dorsett, 28 years old, coming off a season in which he had a foot injury that required surgery and didn't uh, didn't see the field at all in 2020 after signing a very small deal with the Seattle Seahawks. We haven't seen the money details on Philip Dorsett yet, but I'm assuming it's going to be a one-year prove-it deal, you know, very low money, probably going to be around a million-dollar cap hit, if not less than that, for Philip Dorsett. And uh, at the time when he was signed, he was probably your wide receiver three or four. Um, of course, the Jaguars made another wide receiver move on on day two that we'll talk about. But Dorsett, he's a speed guy. Urban Meyer wants speed. I don't think it's a sexy pickup, especially coming off the season, which he didn't play. But he's a guy that during his best years in New England was getting about 30 catches a season, having a few big touchdowns. Um, if he's a back of the roster wide receiver, I think you could do worse than that. But 
Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up not making the team. We were thinking the exact same thing right there. You know, when I was thinking about how I was going to get into this, I was going to lead it off by saying, you know, I'm not even sure if Dorsett makes it to the season. There's too many question marks up in the air, but he is a speed guy. And we've talked about this last week, how much this team needs speed, especially in the wide receiver room. So you probably sign him to a really, really uh, small deal. Um, probably not very much guaranteed money, if any. You bring him in, see if he can compete for a job. But also, he could be a good cog in special teams as well. With that speed, maybe look for him to play some gunner on the outside uh, and punt if he can make tackles. Uh, you know, maybe some depth in the returning game. You know, so he's not totally useless. But um, something that I just think, I think it was a signing to just bring some bodies in for camp, see what he can do, see how that foot holds up. Does he still have the speed? You know, we'll have to see. Um, but even when we brought him in, I don't think he was even close to our receiver three or four on the depth chart. I think he immediately, for well, my opinion. just wasn't much on the depth but I, chart. But I would still even say, you know, Colin Johnson um, before, you know, I would yeah, even. Yeah, that would be three. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I would slot him all the way down the bottom, you know, leave some blank spaces in there if you need to, really, because I don't think he's going to play you know, a, a key role um, in anything outside of special teams or, you know, maybe, you know, a gadget guy, a speed guy, if you want to go run, you know, some sort of trick play reverse. He, all he is is speed. He's speed coming off a foot injury. We don't even know if he has that speed, maybe some special team stuff, uh, but nothing. I don't think it was really, you know, too much of a needle mover there. Yeah. The next guy we're going to talk about is I think the most impactful signing from day one, Rayshon Jenkins, 27 years old, he signed a four-year, $35 million deal. And the 2021 cap hit on this one was really surprising to me. Just under $4 million for that cap hit. So you got to really like the way that was written out, uh, allowing the Jaguars you know, plenty of room to sign just as many guys as they possibly can or want to. But he's a safety from the Chargers. Last year, he played in the box quite a bit. That was due to Derwin James getting injured and missing the season. But he's a more natural free safety. Got good ball skills. Picked off three passes last year. I think he moves very well. I think he provides some versatility on the back end. As I said, he played a lot of box safety uh, last season. But you can line him up in a split zone, deep middle, throw him in the box. I do think he's better in coverage than he is as a downhill tackler. But a guy that I think has a good chance to start for the Jaguars and and be a, an impact player in 2020. This was by far the first major impact signing, um, obviously, but I don't think you can downplay really the magnitude of the Rayshon Jenkins signing. The secondary is so so poor. He's an immediate instant upgrade, an instant starter. You know, from from the perspective of things right now, with way the with how the roster looks. I mean, it's exciting. Like you said, he's got a lot of of great ball skills. Um, you know, playing over to the top of some great receivers out there uh, in the AFC West. And you know, you really got to think. Obviously, the numbers are there. The Jaguars think he is going to be a guy who's going to be in their plans for the future. Obviously, that first year cap hit. Um, it's done really nice and it's, it's small. And we talked about that going into free agency. We know how they like to manipulate, uh, the cap hit, the yearly salaries, um, you know, with the way they do their signing bonuses and backloading some money. So there's still a way to get out of it if things don't pan out, but I'm really, really excited about this one. The first guy that we really looked at, and he wasn't even on my radar going into free agency. If we're being quite honest, I didn't even think about, uh, signing him or we didn't even discuss, um, him at all by any means either. So, 
you know, it, it's something that came out of nowhere. It was out of the blue. I kind of have my eye on some other guys, but it's really a signing that I think is going to have impact on this defense this upcoming year. He's going to be out there on the field, and he's probably your best uh, second-half secondary player right now for sure on this team. I, I really don't think anyone even comes close um, in regards to at least safety and deep defensive backs. Yeah, safety, I would agree. He's the number one guy right now. I don't want to go overboard and say he's like a Pro Bowl caliber player. I do think he could make a Pro Bowl. I mean, you saw the three interceptions. He gets a couple more. You're talking about a Pro Bowl safety if he's on a good team. But uh, I think he's a good free safety. I don't think he's a great free safety. Um, But you don't you don't have to have great players at every single position. He is going to upgrade that secondary, and I think it was a good signing. Um, Carlos Hyde, he was the final day one signing. Two years, $4.5 million, 2021 cap hit of just $1.9 million. Uh, really kind of funny to see Hyde come back to Jacksonville at this point in his career after the Jaguars traded in 2018, traded a fifth-round pick for him, and then weren't getting him on the field and then just uh, essentially wasted that fifth round pick because they let him go after the season. Um, and then he went on to Houston and Seattle and he played very well in Houston and Seattle, 4.4 yards of carry and, and, and looked like his old self. He obviously played for the Seahawks last year. So he knows Brian Schottenheimer knows Sanjay Lal, the wide receiver coach knows, um, John Schneider, the special teams coach, uh, he played for Ohio State, uh, played for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. He was drafted by Trent Baalke. So there's just too many connections. It, it was probably a, a running back signing that we should have called. Yeah, this is all about familiarity. And you're right. I mean, we didn't even see this one coming a mile away. And we talked about, you know, Curtis Samuel and, and you know, how his relationship with Urban Meyer might bring him to Jacksonville. But Carlos Hyde has relationships everywhere, front and back, up and down, you know, all across. So this isn't too much of a shock after it was announced, but it is funny, um, you know, to kind of see how things went the first time. Um, like you said, trading that pick for a guy who I think fit the power run system a little bit better at the time that we had in place when we did trade for him and then just refused to use him at all whatsoever. So surprised he came back, but it's all about, you know, familiarity, you know, for him for the coaching staff, for Urban. Um, probably, you know, a good guy to have in the locker room as well. He's a, a veteran. He's been around. And, um, you know, someone who I think mirrors James Robinson's abilities and skill set a little closer than, you know, one of the the speedier scat backs that I was thinking they might try to spell him with. Um, but I can understand, you know, he's a good power um, strong running, running back. Like you said, he played well after he left Jacksonville. So, you know, maybe he can find you know, some of those wheels again in a lesser role and he's not getting beat up as much. It might be a pretty decent signing. Yeah, I think, and two, beyond just being like a guy that can come in for James Robinson at times, if James Robinson gets injured, this is a guy who can kind of carry the load, I think, and give some similar, uh, give a similar skill set in that backfield. So I like that. Um, 30 years old, Low risk. I don't think the Jaguars are done at the running back position by any means. Now, they might not sign anyone else, but I do think you'll see some, uh, maybe a draft pick or a couple undrafted rookies come in here and compete for a job uh, to be some running back depth. Now, after day one, some folks in Duval were upset, and rightfully so. You go pay Roy Robertson Harris $8 million. 
but you can't pony up a few extra bucks to land Alvin Tomlinson, who's obviously a lot more proven, has a connection here with your defensive line coach. Um, you were in on Dalvin Tomlinson. You just got outbid. He didn't get paid that much. He actually got less overall money than Roy Robertson Harris did. He got $11 million a year on a two-year deal. I don't know why you couldn't go get that done. Uh, then the Patriots outbid you and everyone else for Jonu Smith. That's frustrating. He was one of my favorite free agents, if not my favorite free agent in this entire class. Then the Browns are able to go get John Johnson, the top safety on the board, even though you were on, in on him as well. So it wasn't a great look for Trent Baalke. And it's not that the Jaguars were not interested in these guys and not trying to get these guys. It's that they just couldn't land any of them. And so I get the frustration. I was critical of the first day of free agency, not because the guys that they did sign, but because of the guys that they were unable to land. I can understand that. I definitely can. But I think there's more to it than just on the outside people saying, oh, well, we just didn't get that guy. Things aren't going the way we thought it would. You know, I understand there's concerns with the amount of money um, that they gave the Robertson Harris. And, and, and I'm still, I still want to see the contract language. I don't, uh, the, the numbers did kind of surprise me a little bit for a guy that I had never heard of, to be quite honest. Uh, but there's got to be something in there that, that ties them out. Things don't work out. But if not, I mean, there's a lot more that has to be thought about, you know, do these guys want to come to Jacksonville? I'm sure some of these guys didn't want to come to Jacksonville. It wasn't necessarily in their interest. You know, it is. Right. And if you can't lure them, that's on you. If you can't, you know? is it, there's a lot, there's a lot more to them. You know, I don't think it's just being able to lure somebody. I mean, I think that that's really too basic when you think about the free agency aspect of things, where are guys' families, where are they from? You know, what are their preferences? There's a lot more to it than just, you know, the money. For some of these guys, it is just the money. When you go look at a guy like maybe, you know, and we'll get we'll get there in a minute, but there there were some guys the Jaguars signed that I think maybe it was just about the money. You probably could have got comparable contracts, maybe not as much in other places if you wanted to go win. Um, and the Jaguars won a bidding war. So I think the difference when you look at the Jaguars missing out on guys, especially if, you know, they got outpaid. The bottom line could be that guy's just going for more money and the Jaguars met their limit, and I'm okay with that. If they have a plan, which obviously we don't know, but you got to put your trust in that they do, and they don't want to overspend for certain reasons, or you know, it, there just wasn't any mutual interest, and that could be something in it as well. And you got to look at the way the market was shaping up. You know, the, the, the Patriots went out and gave two, the two top tight ends, an insane amount of money, probably that I wouldn't have been comfortable I would have a couple of getting one, but I mean, the situation is what it is. You know, that's a more probably attractive situation given the money than Jacksonville is. Let's just be honest, no matter how well you cut it, you know, it just is what it is. But there were so many guys still there going into day two, so many big names and so many more probably to come. You know, like I discussed earlier, I was tweeting about earlier today. There are still more cuts that are going to come. People have to get under the cap. There are a lot of teams that are still way over the cap. I think this free agency is not as cut and dry as ones in the past, there's still a lot more to come. A lot more big name players probably get released due to cap constraints and still a lot of big names out on that market. I think we need to slow down a little bit before we get, you know, too crazy. I think people are overreacting a little bit, but that's just me. Well, I think in free agency, you want to get the, the problem is Dalvin Tomlinson, John Smith and John Johnson. They were all in on, and all three of those guys are 
better players than anyone they got on day one of free agency. So I was critical. I understand people that were critical. But getting into day two, that is when the Jaguars had to really, you know, course correct and figure out how the heck they were going to get some quality guys in here beyond depth. They needed to get some guys that could actually impact the team um, and not just be good rotational pieces. Rayshon Jenkins, I believe, is the only guy that they got on day one that really can be an impact-type player um, beyond just being a rotational guy. But on day two, they certainly came out and did do that. And you got to give props to Trent Baalke and Urban Meyer for getting some of these guys in here. Uh, The headliner... Cornerback Shaquille Griffin, 25 years old, three years, 44.5 million. 2021 cap hit is only 5.8 million. Again, you got to love that. Um, this is a guy that's long. He's fast. His uh, relative athletic score coming out of the draft was about as high as it gets, one of the highest scores you could ever see um, with his length, speed, and um explosiveness in terms of the broad jump and and his vertical and all that stuff and it's transitioned well to the nfl game um and seattle he's been very effective they run a lot of cover three but when they run their press man stuff that's when he's been at his best he's allowed a completion percentage and press man coverage of under 48 percent i mean that is mind-boggling to be completely honest that's a that's a fantastic number to have there. And he's also been able to pick off several uh, passes throughout his career. He picked off three passes last year. 48 passes defended in four years as a pro. That is really impressive. I think this was a home run signing. He is an immediate impact guy. I mean, you're talking about a top 15 corner in the league probably. Uh, you know, And for the money that you got him at, relatively good value – He's young, he's fast, he's shown the ability to compete with some of the best in the NFL, and you're pairing him up with another young, promising corner. It really could set the Jaguars up for some pretty nice play in the secondary. Things are kind of finally starting to look like you have some support on the field. I remember last year, there was nothing anywhere, top to bottom. Right now, it looks like you might. And injuries did have their part. Injuries had their part, but even so, there was no depth. The guys that you had on the roster last year are now becoming your depth guys. Some of them, not all of them, but Trey Herndon's definitely going to be a depth guy. Dwayne Smoot's going to be a depth guy. But then you bring in, I mean, this is really a bona fide stud and, and one of the top players in the free agent class. And, you know, maybe this was a, a position that they were more keen on identifying in free agency because they knew their options outside were a little bit more stringent than maybe, you know, tight end or, or elsewhere. But this is a signing that immediately impacts and immediately makes you a better team. You know, whether it be for the long haul, or if he's just here for a few years, I hope he's here for a little bit longer. Obviously it's a little bit of a shorter, um, shorter contract for him. But I mean, the, the potential to have two very young, very quick, good ball hawking corners is now there. I mean, it really is. Like you said, he's a physical specimen and, and the thing that I think that does the most for him is his speed. Very, very fast. He's going to be able to stay, uh, you know, toe-to-toe with pretty much anybody. Yeah, and really when you look at it, they got three of those types of players because they also re-signed cornerback Sidney Jones, who's only 24. 
He had two interceptions last year, completion percentage allowed and coverage of only 51. Uh, No details reported yet on what his contract is, which of course means it's going to be a lesser deal. And the reason for that being he's obviously dealt with these Achilles injuries throughout his career. He's going to keep on battling through that. So you can't really rely on him to be a starter, even though he has starting ability without question in the NFL. And so for him to be your third corner, you got to really love that. He might be getting some time at nickel. Um, He played some nickel in Philly when he was over there with the Eagles. Great signing. I really wanted him back. I didn't know if they were going to do it because of the injury history. But when this guy's healthy, there's not a lot of young cornerbacks that play better football than he Not does. at all. Another young cog, another piece to build around. What we saw from him last year, I was very impressed with. I know you've been impressed with him. I know you were high on him uh, prior to him, him being drafted. Um, and then, like you said, you know the injuries just got to him. Jaguars gave him a second chance. He performed well. Thankfully, they rewarded him um, you know, with an extension and, and getting him re-signed and getting him here. Um, this really to me is almost as impactful, not as, but almost as impactful as the Griffin signing. I know it sounds crazy, but the flashes that he's shown to really be a great corner in this league. Now you've got not just depth, but substantially better depth. I know that this probably doesn't make any sense, but you, you have oh, impactful no, depth. you have a guy who, you know, Injury or you know rest or whatever you need is going to come in, not going to bat an eye. Probably can be competing for one of your number two, number one or number two spots. Obviously, with the situation, with the money you just paid for Shaq, and you know with the draft capital you have invested in CJ Henderson, there's probably not really any opening there. You know, barring some horrific collapse from CJ in year two or Shaq upcoming this year, but. He's got the ability for you to have a good rotational guy on the outside. If he beats out Herndon in a nickel position, then you know you start him at nickel as well if he's truly the better guy. I don't think Herndon can play outside, so that's going to be a rough spot for him to be in if he gets beat out at nickel. But you've got a guy who can do it all. He could probably play over the top if you needed you know, some, some more ranging safety play um, in certain situations. And you know, something that I've seen over the last few years becoming you know, a little bit more popular in the NFL – is kind of an altered, what you want to call it, maybe like a dime look, where you go like a three-two-four set. You know, three down linemen getting, uh, you know, some pressure. A lot of teams are getting a lot more pressure with three guys than they have been in the past. Two ranging linebacker from sideline to sideline. Obviously, you've got Miles Jack. Joe Schobert really isn't a ranging guy, but I'm sure they're going to get some more speed and depth in the linebacker core. But then you could have the potential to have CJ and Shaq two great corners on the outside, and then uh, Sydney and Trey Herndon on the field at the same time. It adds more speed, more coverage ability. Um, I don't think either of those guys are really you know, significantly bad tacklers to where you wouldn't want to have that much speed and that coverage ability you know, on the field as you start to see more offenses go four, five wide, you know, motion guys at the backfield, that kind of stuff. You know, the linebackers aren't going to be able to, at least the linebackers that we have on the rush right now, keep up with that kind of offense. So I think this also gives you the flexibility to throw some more coverage guys out there. Um, it allows you to do a lot more on defense and be more selective about your play calling. Couldn't agree more. And with this multiple defensive fronts that the Jaguars are going to be running, they're also going to be getting creative in the secondary, just like you said. I think that's a great point. Now, they did make two signings in the morning yesterday that were, eh, you know, not very exciting 
to, to say the least. They signed defensive lineman Jihad Ward from Baltimore. Obviously, he has the connection with um, Joe Cullen, who's the Jaguars defensive coordinator now, former Ravens defensive line coach. This is another rotational guy, not a sexy um, signing, but a guy who's going to come in, make your defensive line depth and rotation better. He's had some production as a run stopper, had some production uh, creating some pressure, can line up at multiple spots on the D-line, just like every defensive lineman you've been seeing so far. So uh, another you know, good depth signing, nothing flashy, nothing exciting, but you want depth on that defensive line. That's what Urban Meyer's emphasis was, and you get yeah, that. Yeah, Joe Cullen guy, um, pulling him sure from Baltimore. There's not really going to be much of a learning curve for him. And I think that's what you want, especially for these depth guys, guys that you're just bringing in for depth and rotational value. Why not go ahead and get guys that are already comfortable in the system, already knows the coaching scheme, already knows what's going to be expected. There's no learning curve there for these kind of guys. It would just make the most sense to have most of the team as much as you can on the same page. And why wouldn't you have, you know, one of these guys who are just going to be rotational anyway, already on the same page, ready to go. I don't know much about him um, or I haven't really heard much about him. As you could probably hear some dogs barking in the background. So I apologize. Um, but, you know, I just don't see why this would be a bad rotational signing for us at all. Yeah, I agree with you. And and like you said, I, I, I love the idea of bringing in free agents that are not going to have any sort of learning curve. They're not going to skip a beat. You know that they know what they're doing when they get here. And that's what Jihad Ward is. Uh, then you've got Chris Manhurts, tight end from Carolina. He's 28, about to be 29. They signed him to a two-year, $7.25 million deal. 2021 cap hit is $2.6 million. Bottom line is this is a blocking tight end that can also have some special teams value, but he's a pretty damn good blocking tight end. So when you're getting in those jumbo sets uh, where you need an extra offensive tackle out there, that's Exactly. He's just a big body. Um, at Cassius, I believe he played basketball, didn't even play football, so I don't think he transitioned from football until he got to the NFL. But just a big, big wide body, going to be a, a blocking specialist for sure. Um, you know, n- nothing – Major there, nothing to really be up in arms about either. I know most people were kind of, you know, like who, who is this guy? Um, but it's it's a it's a necessary signing. You're gonna need a tight end who can block and become an extension of the offensive line. Yeah, so not the tight end signing that a lot of people were looking for out there. Not the signing I was looking for. But again, this is a guy that will help the team in certain situations and. I think everybody that they signed outside of maybe a Philip Dorsett is going to be able to provide some sort of situational help or depth. Now, the final three moves of yesterday, I think we're all pretty darn exciting. Tyson Aluwalu, welcome home, big fella. 33 years old, two years, $6 million, $2.4 million, 2021 cap hit. He really found himself in Pittsburgh in that multiple front defense. That's you know, similar, like we've been saying, what the Jaguars are going to be doing here in Jacksonville. And um, he's a guy that's an excellent run stuffer, can play defensive end in the 3-4, defensive tackle in a 3-4. And he can also create a little bit of situational pass rush help. Um, you know, push This is a pocket. guy that, uh, you know, did not necessarily live up to the hype 
uh, in Jacksonville. Um, obviously a very um, high first round draft pick of no fault of his own, uh, but just didn't really end up becoming that guy. Um, you know, leaves ends up in uh, Pittsburgh, like you said, where he just found a total revival of his career and played, you know, exponentially better than he did here. Um, hopefully it's a guy that you can come in and get that same production for a couple of years. That's all you can really ask for now at this point in his career. Um, but it's keeping you from having to start from scratch on the interior defensive line because you really don't have much there right now. It's going to give you a guy who's been here before, um, has has played under Cullen um, when he was the defensive line coach here, and and you know that is something that cannot be understated. It's again familiarity with the system, familiarity with the coaching staff, um, and probably the best situation outside of Pittsburgh that he can be in. Yep, one hundred percent. Now. The next, they made two moves right around dinner time. The first one was the Marvin Jones signing, 31-year-old receiver, signed him to a two-year, $14.5 million deal. I believe it's $9.2 million guaranteed and just under $4.3 million 2021 cap hit. Earlier, you brought him up briefly. Uh, so why don't we let you jump off on Marvin Jones? It's not the signing that I was hoping for. Um, not necessarily a guy that... I thought would have been the first really big name wide receiver off the board, but I don't think they're done. Um, I don't think they're done. And I, I really, to be quite honest with you, forgot where I was going initially with that. I know we wanted to push it back um, earlier in the podcast, but you know, my current thought. You basically were saying, I believe that you think he's going to be a depth piece in the, the wide receiver room. Are we talking about Marvin Jones? I don't, I may have been. But I, but my thought process, I, I, I completely lost train of thought after he said move on. So I, I apologize. I didn't write it down and go back. It was no a thought worries. that was flowing at the time. Uh, but my take on Marvin Jones here is, is you know, I, I don't think it's done. I do think he's more of a veteran leader. Um, I don't think he's in a guy. He's gonna be a guy that you know is going to be the focal point by any means. He's gonna come in and definitely take some eyes off DJ Chark. He's a little bit older, but still very productive. But I don't think the Jaguars are done here. I really think that they'll go out and get another wide receiver, and they should. Hopefully, one of the top names, um, you know, a guy who's going to be more impactful playmaker. Um, but you're building depth, and the depth is better than the depth that we have. I don't hate it by any means. Obviously, it's the familiarity with the offense is there. Um, you know, we'll talk about it again. Bevel's here now. Marvin Jones, the guy's going to hop right in, and that's going to be great for someone like Trevor Lawrence to have a receiver that already knows what he's doing. Um, you know, knows the offense, knows the route tree, knows the combination, knows the lingo. Going to be a great um, teacher for Trevor Lawrence. Going to help him understand the offense. You know, outside of that, again, he's still very productive, but it's a home run signing, in my opinion, for those reasons. You need pieces around the guy who's going to be the focal point and the savior of franchise and Trevor Lawrence. And in the best way to get him to learn the offense is to surround him with guys who know it and can help him learn it and can be there when there's questions or be there, you know, when there's things that he isn't quite getting. I think this is part of that, you know, bringing a guy who knows it, bringing a guy who's been around um, for some time. And, you know, this is the guy, you know, you sign him and you sign it to set. It's going to knock some of these guys down the list. But I think, like I said, they have other ideas for some of these guys. I think they'll bring one more wide receiver in as well. Yeah, I love the Marvin Jones signing. I, I couldn't be more happy about it. Um, he's a guy that only player in the NFL to get nine receiving touchdowns in each of the last two years. Um, he's a big play threat. He's six foot two. He's fast. 
He hasn't lost a step. He's still playing very good football. Like you said, he knows the Daryl Blevel offense. He can play outside. He can play in the slot. He did quite a bit of both last year. So when you look at him and LaVisca Chenault both being able to play outside and in the slot, you've got a lot of versatility with how these three guys can line up between Jones, Chenault, and Chark. And even if the Jaguars don't get another guy that's going to that's gonna be higher than Marvin Jones on the depth chart, that top three receiving uh, group of receivers right there is very good and exactly what you want for Trevor Lawrence between Jones, Chanel, and Chark. You're not going to find a lot of teams that have a better top three than that, and I agree that the Jaguars aren't done. Uh, top three, I'm not sure if I'm going to put them up in that echelon yet of saying you can't find a top three better than what we have here, but the potential. No, no, no. I didn't say that. I said there's not a lot of teams that have okay. a better top so, three than that. I believe that's at least a, a top 10 receiving core right there in the NFL. On first thought, you know, it kind of takes me back and goes, well, slow down a little bit. But, you know, there are a lot of teams that aren't that deep. I, I get that. I have to look into that more before I, um, you know, inherently dispute that claim. But I mean, off the top of your head. I, I put him on a spot like that. I'm not sure, to be quite honest. I mean, it depends. There's a lot of factors that play into it. I mean, immediately you got to think the Chiefs. Um, I really like the Steelers are receiving core. The Chiefs a have better a better top three. Top I think three. they should have a better. But see, there's a lot of plays into that. Do you say, do I think they're going to be the most, they're more productive than the Jaguars top three right there? Yes. Uh, but there's a lot of plays in that. They have Mahomes. They have a, a much more um, explosive offense. If you want to go look at three physically superior receivers without numbers, you might be a little bit more on track, you know, that way. I don't think, you know, production wise, they're going to be all that much to really, you know, write home about, but there's, there's a lot of potential. I disagree. You you just saw, you saw one good year from DJ Chark. You saw his rookie year. You saw a big step. He was good last year and the quarterback situation and the offensive coordinator situation just completely put his season and that in the could crapper, be true. in my opinion. I, and that could I be totally true, disagree but with then, you. you know, the same thing. He's not physically, by physical skill, really, I think, better than a lot of receivers in the game yet. Yet. But then it goes I back totally to the argument disagree. of production then. He, he didn't produce, whether that be quarterback player or whatnot, you know. Otherwise, receiving quarters are going to produce a lot better. There's a lot go, that goes into that, specifically, i.e. the Chiefs, because of Patrick Mahomes, because of their quarterback play. So maybe... We need to put another water bed. I mean, there's there's definitely some potential. I don't want to overstate that. I think at the end of this season, you know, barring injury, whatnot, if Marvin Jones, Lavishka Chenault, and DJ Chark are your top three, I think that we can go back and look at it, and they're going to easily be an upper echelon top three uh, receiving core. And DJ Chark is going to really, if he doesn't get paid before the season, if he stays healthy in 2021. He's going to get paid big bucks, and it might not be in Jacksonville. But we do have one more move to talk about uh, from day two. Malcolm Brown, 27 years old. The Jaguars traded the uh, traded for him with the Saints, who were probably going to release him. But the Jags said, hey, we want this guy. They probably gave up a fifth, sixth, or seventh round pick. Inconsequential there. Um, he's 27 years old. Big run-stuffing defensive tackle. Two years, $11 million. 2021 cap hit of $3.4 million. This might be the best defensive lineman out of the whole bunch that they got, especially when you talk about 6'2", 320 pounds. He is a run stuffer, a gap eater, space eater. 
I think this is a guy that's I mean, that that really excited me when that trade came through. When you talk about stopping the run and putting yourself in favorable situations, uh, you went out in day two and you made basically more of your defensive line than you had coming into it and in all of last year. So you still have young guys that we were looking at last year: Doug Costin, Devon Hamilton, young guys who showed some flashes. You know, have showed some skill, can be guys, but now they're gonna have to compete with guys like Alu Walu and Malcolm Brown because the Jaguars are gonna run that multiple front. But even if they do, there's only one nose uh, or, or max of two defensive tackles on the field at a time. So that room's starting to get crowded. I still anticipate they get a little younger through the draft as well. That room is starting to get crowded. It's gonna cause a lot of competition, but I think you put yourself in a great spot. Malcolm Brown was gonna be a guy who's gonna be available probably one of the better interior defensive linemen that were going to be available. The Jaguars didn't want to take a chance at him hitting the open market, maybe because they swung a miss at a couple other interior defensive linemen like you hinted at before. So they went out and just made the trade, um, got the rights to him, signed him to a two-year deal. You know, I'm completely fine with that. Totally happy with that. As it stands right now, there you go. You got Malcolm Brown and Alawalu in your four down sets. Um, and then you got Malcolm Brown, who seems to be a little bit more of a prototypical nose, um, a little bit more stout, a little bit wider, a little bit shorter. Um, you know, like I said, it's going to eat up those blocks, get those gaps. He's not getting his hands up to deflect any passes per se, but he's eating up a lot of space, stopping the run. Um, so you really just made some some very big improvements there. A little bit on the older side, you know, now you've got Alawalu, I think is, is what, 33? 33, 33, okay, 33. So 33 and then 27. So um, you still have those younger guys behind them. They're obviously going to be impactful as well, but you know, you're starting to see that depth come together and you're starting to see guys that we've seen last year, put the flashes in are going to become rotational guys. You know that they can do what they can do when they're in the game. You know, the guys you have ahead of them are impactful um, as of yet. So it's very exciting. Probably one of the best acquisitions in both days, in my opinion. Yeah. When you look at day two, I think that they just hit on every single guy that they got. Griffin and Jones are both excellent cornerbacks. Giad Ward, a good rotational piece that knows the system. Man hurts, like we said, extension of the offensive line out there. Alawalu knows the system, plays very well. Malcolm Brown, great run-stuffing defensive tackle. Marvin Jones knows the offensive system, very productive receiver throughout his career, and he hasn't slowed down at all over the last couple of years. I think for some of the criticism you can give the Jaguars for day one, they completely made up for it on day two of free agency. And uh, on day three today, they've been very, fairly quiet, which most of the NFL has been fairly quiet today compared to uh, day one and two of legal tampering period. But the Jaguars did re-sign James O'Shaughnessy today, tight end. That's a tight end you can feel good about. You don't necessarily want him to be your starter, but if he's your second tight end, you feel good about that. He's been in Jacksonville a while. He's a quality blocker, quality pass catcher, salt of the earth type of tight end that you like to see stick around in Jacksonville. They also re-signed Aldrick Rosas, who's the kicker. Who uh, He had some trouble staying on his feet last year when he got into the game for the Jaguars, but um, he's just an insurance policy for Josh Lambeau at this point. They also released uh, several guys. Quentin Meeks, Rashawn Melvin, Cameron Nitsielek, who I've never even heard of. I didn't know he was on the roster. He's a punter. Cornerback Josh Nurse, Craig Reynolds, Dontavious Russell, former seventh-round pick, 2018, I believe, seventh-round pick. 
Actually, he was at FLSU, 2019. Right? Auburn. Oh. Auburn. Then they also released Al Woods and Gabe Wright. So Rashawn Melvin and Al Woods were two 2020 signings that opted out of the season, and now they have been released by the team. Everyone else was just um, depth or, you know, even beyond depth. And then when you look at day three as well, the Jaguars are getting some calls on Gardner Minshew. Could he be on the move? What would a team be willing to give up to get Gardner Minshew? For me, if you're looking at a fourth-round pick or higher, easy to pull the trigger and get rid of him. If you're looking at fifth, sixth, seventh-round pick, I think it's something you have to really think about. Now, if it's a high fifth-round pick, that's practically a fourth-round pick. Yeah, I'm on board. But, uh, again, some something to think about, certainly moving forward. Because if you do get rid of Gardner Minshew, then you absolutely have to bring in a veteran backup behind. The price has Trevor to be Lawrence. right. I mean, it all just comes down to the money. Gardner Minshew is, is basically taking up the smallest cap hit on the team just about. I mean, he's shown you that he can win if he needs to. You know, maybe he's not a. Yeah, you don't get a decent quarterback you don't. at his and, price tag. And that's another reason why his and it's trade value could years. be higher. Because you're taking on a rookie contract and exactly. you have two more years on that So, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not too quick to move him. Um, you know, I can see, I know this has been brought up in the past, but a, a career path kind of like, you know, um, Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, you know, he, he may not be a guy that's going to go out there and win 10, 11 games a year. But if you need a four or five game stretch, he's a guy that might be able to win you, you know, three or four of those. Um, he's cheap. And, and if the offer's not right, you don't get rid of him. He may not be a mentor, but you have guys like Marvin Jones, like we talked about, who knows the offense can mentor Trevor Lawrence a little bit. You'll get guys that can be around him that know the quarterback position a little bit, you know, better. I don't necessarily know if there's anybody out there besides Alex Smith that I'd really be interested in, in bringing a veteran to help quote unquote mentor um, Trevor Lawrence. But you can't really hate the situation you are right now uh, or that you're in right now when it comes to backup quarterbacks. Yeah, you've got Menchu. If you want to get rid of him, you can and bring in an Alex Smith or someone else. Uh, I thought Tyrod Taylor would have made sense, but he obviously signed with the Texans. Um, yeah, you're in a good spot with your backup quarterback position. And uh that's everything the Jaguars have done up to this point. We are now current. So it's time to start looking ahead. The Jaguars still have about 35 to $40 million in 2021 cap space. Again, because they've been able to structure these um, signings. I mean, you look at all the signings they've had and they still have 35 to 40 million in cap space. It's pretty unbelievable. Um I think they still need a tight end. I think that's still the number one need right now. Guys out there right now, Gerald Everett, Everett excuse me, Dan Arnold, Jacob Hollister. I think you got to add someone that can. There get are more options passes. also outside of free agency. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are freaking out that you know the free agents are gone. I get that, but what about treading the tires with a fifth round pick, maybe for a guy like Zach Ertz? He wants to get out of Philly. Philly wants him gone. A great veteran presence, uh, you know, on the team. I think would be be you know very very helpful um a reliable pass catcher obviously past his prime in the nfl but it would make a lot of sense to me if you can't go get one of these guys if they were paying more the patriots were than you were willing to spend you know there are other options out there go tread the tires on a guy like that um you know draft a tight end maybe make a massive move to go get a guy like kyle pitts i'm not opposed to that i know some people are but 
I would hope I would hope that they have, you know, some sort of plan for this because tight end, we can all agree, um, was a position that A needed probably the most work on this team. And B, the options were the most limited, especially when it comes to free agency and even in the draft. You know, um, the free agents are gone. You know, there's not really a, a big free agent out there anymore. So now you got to look into, you know, acquiring a tight end uh, via trade elsewhere because I don't think you can supplement it just through the draft. You know, even if you do go get a guy like Pitts, a Friar Muth, or even a Brevin Jordan a little bit later, that's not going to be enough based on what we have on the roster right now to have a reliable tight end room. Yeah, I think if you bring in a Jared, uh, Gerald Everett or a Dan Arnold to go with James O'Shaughnessy, then you can go in the draft and feel like maybe you don't have to go draft one of those good tight ends that you can if they fall to you at the right spot. But you just want to be in a position going into the draft to where you don't feel pigeonholed and to having to take Friar Muth at 33. If you don't want to, would I be fine with Pat Friar Muth at 33? Absolutely. At 45, absolutely. Brevin Jordan at 45 or 65? Sure. But you don't want to be pigeonholed into feeling like you have to. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not high on Firemuth at all. I wouldn't want him anywhere, just for what it's worth. Um, you know, you, you don't want to move up and get pits, and I, I don't enough. want Firemuth anywhere on my board. I just think the shoulder issues leave too much to question for me, especially for a tight end. Um, but, you know, what's I don't, what is so bad at going and getting a guy like Pitts? I know there's a lot of backlash, especially on social media today, about the thought of that. I understand that maybe. I don't trade up for a non-quarterback in the first round. I think that those picks, they have to be the the foundation on what your franchise is built upon as your first and second round picks. And if you're giving up all that to go get Kyle Pitts, he has to be so much better than all the other players that you could have gotten with those picks. And it's just a very risky proposition. And I love Kyle Pitts. Don't get me wrong. If he fell to the right spot, like, you know, say past 15, I'd probably be interested in seeing what you have to give up to go get him. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and again, if the Jaguars did make that move, I wouldn't be too highly critical of it because of how good Kyle Pitts is. But I would be reminding everyone he has to end up being significantly better by leaps and bounds than everyone you could have gotten at those Which picks. I think he is up. personally, but we can talk about that more once we get closer to the draft. But again, you never know. What if an injury happened? Like you just never know. So the opportunity cost is just so high for me. Potentially, not that can be said for any position and any, any player. In the draft. I agree. Yeah. If it's not a quarterback, it is just too risky in my opinion to trade up super high in the first round. That's just my philosophy. You with me? Yeah, and up it, it was there. It, it oh. lagged for a second, so oh, there we it, go. It froze on your end, also. Right. I don't know what happened there, but um, but yeah, like I was just trying to say, you know, the the, the talks will heat up obviously as we get closer to draft time, um, and, and it'll really depend on what the Jaguars do if they address it any more, um, going into that. Yeah. Now, a couple other positions I think you could add at still in free agency because you do have that 35 to 40 million. We talked about receiver. I think both of us would like to see another receiver here. Curtis Samuel is still out there. Keelan Cole is still out there. I think he would be a great guy to bring back. He said he wanted to come back to Jacksonville. Rashard Higgins from Cleveland. He's been a very good uh, second, third type receiver 
and Cleveland for a while. Kenny Galladay is still on the open market for crying out loud. That guy, he's a starting receiver all day. Juju Smith-Schuster, if you brought him in to play the slot, um, and you're able to get him in here under $10 million, under $9, 8000000 million a year, I think that would be huge. Um, there's a lot of options at receiver, and you've got plenty of money to go make this receiver core even Anybody better. Anybody you just listed is. automatically makes that room that much better. The wide receiver market, as we know, as we talked about earlier, is saturated. So I don't think they have to go out um, and, and and be super aggressive and spend a lot of money right away because they've already you know secured Marvin Jones. But like I said before, I don't think they're done, and I think they do need to improve um, their pass-catching weapons just a little bit more. Remember, you got to do everything you can to let Trevor Lawrence succeed. Anybody on that list that you just mentioned right there are immediate impact guys that are immediately going to make that wide receiver room better and honestly could probably rival being the number one receiver on this team. So I, I can't see any reason not to go get a guy like that other than Curtis Samuel. I don't think Curtis Samuel can be a number one guy uh, with what we have here currently, but anybody else pretty much could be. Yeah. And then you look at, um, I think edge rusher is a position you could still upgrade just with the depth. Cause you, you do like, Josh Allen and Caleb Von Chase on a lot. DeWan Smoot can kind of be an edge rusher as well. Maybe Joe Giles Harris can get some of that going too. He showed a little bit of that last year after being more of an off-ball linebacker earlier on in his career. But I think Carlos Dunlap is still a perfect fit. He's older, but he's still playing very good football, played very good for the Seahawks last year. So there's another Seattle connection there. And he coached, uh, or Urban Meyer coached him at Florida. I think that's a guy that would make a lot of sense as a cheap veteran edge rusher to kind of stabilize the rest of the the group. And that again, you have on the edge. probably immediately comes in and becomes you know the second best edge rusher on this team besides only Josh Allen that I can think of. I mean, you know, unless Kilavon Chase, he might honestly be the best day one. Am I not? He's last still very long, good. But he's still I love very what I've seen from Josh Allen. I think his role last year really brought his numbers down. I'm not panicking anywhere on him just yet. Um, but you got to obviously hope that Caleb on chase on makes a jump in year two. Um, but yeah, he, he definitely comes in and becomes your immediate um, second again, still in my opinion, second best edge rusher and, and an immediate impact guy. And a guy that you don't have a lot of on this team, you don't have a lot of, you know, edge rushers with a lot of prowess and a lot of uh, productivity um, under their belt in the NFL. Yeah, and you want those guys in waves. Just like the interior defensive line, you want to be able to have a lot of pass rushers coming at the quarterback. Uh, I think you could also see a nickel corner. You know, Trey Herndon's the only really natural nickel corner on the team that has experience. You've got Josiah Scott, Chris Claybrooks, but they didn't really show too much at corner last year. So I think you could see a nickel corner, maybe a Troy Hill, who's had a nice career out with the Rams. Um I, I don't have a problem with the cornerback room right now, but if you're looking to get somebody that really fits the nickel position, that might be an upgrade over Herndon. I think that it could. It could. If you're going to upgrade, then I say go for it. Um, you know, I don't really have a guy. I know you named a few, but I don't really have a guy that I would immediately say go out there, Aaron, and, and upgrade. But I've always been one to say if there's an upgrade to be made, go for it. You know, why not? Why not get better every chance you get? Do I think Herndon can be serviceable? Yes. Do we need depth? Probably. Also, you know, what happens if he goes down and we have, you know, two injuries? That can always happen. You can always get better in some way. So I definitely would not count it out at all. 
Yeah, and finally, I think very soon the Jaguars should go ahead and extend DJ Chark. I know we've talked about it, but that money won't hit until 2022, so it's not going to affect your 2021 cap. By the time you get to 2022, you'll probably have some rollover cap space. You'll have the salary cap getting even higher than it already is, so I think that makes a lot of sense to go ahead and get it done early so you can pay him less now. Um, And he might not want to do that. Who knows? He might bet on himself. and bet on himself having a big year in 2021. But I think if you can, you go ahead and extend him, get him locked in at around 15 to 16 million a year. For the if next I was four him, I years. wouldn't. I would bet on myself. Um, if I was a team, I would understand why they might want to wait and see what happens. Um, you know, DJ Tark, obviously, year one was pretty much non existent. That's okay. That happens at times. Year two, a massive step with a very, um, let's just say, not serviceable quarterback. I mean, it just is what it is. And so, you know, you might want to, if you're DJ Tark, wait and see how good you can truly be with a guy like Trevor Lawrence back there throwing the ball. Um, from the team standpoint, that could go one way or another. They could see, you know, say, say, hey, we really need to see what this guy truly is. Um, or, you know, you know, they, they could shoot themselves in the foot if, you know, we see that he is a star wide receiver when you have a guy who's competent throwing in the football. You can go either way, but if I'm DJ Tark, I'm betting on myself knowing that I've got a guy back there who can actually get the ball to me when I'm open downfield. Yeah, I wouldn't blame him one bit for doing that. But if I was the Jaguars, I would try to lock him in. Who knows if it would work out or not. Um, But the ultimate question right now, you know, the first wave of free agency has come and gone. The Jaguars still can add to this roster in free agency or via trade, like you mentioned, potentially Zach Ertz. Um, is this team going to be ready to compete for the playoffs in 2021? I know the full picture has not yet been painted, but you know, you got Trevor Lawrence coming in, you know, you got these free agents, you know, what the coaching staff looks like, what the philosophy is going to be. Is this team ready to compete for the playoffs right now, in 2020? Given everything that we see, the only inevitable being that Trevor Lawrence is coming to Jacksonville, I'd have to say no. Um, again, you said there's, you know, there's, there's probably going to be a few more chips that fall into place. Um, but if the season were to start today with Trevor Lawrence, we would not be a playoff team. I, di- I didn't see enough impactful signings made. I know there's still time and I'm still one to preach patience, especially given, you know, everything that's going on right now and how um, not normal this year is uh, when it comes to the NFL and cap and money and everything. But I would be hard pressed to say this team wins 10 games next year uh, with Trevor Lawrence coming in as a rookie with the, the support that he has around him. It's better. It's not great. The defense got better, uh, but I wouldn't say it got good either. Yeah, I think the offense, I mean, he's the key to the offense. Obviously, the quarterback's always the key to the offense. But when you've got James Robinson as your starting tailback, you've got the receivers we talked about, I do think there's enough to be a very good offense. Um, It's going to depend on how quickly Trevor can come in and really take command. But for me, when you're talking about this team making a big jump in 2021, I love some of the guys they brought in, love Shaquille Griffin, Sidney Jones, happy to have him back. Love Marvin Jones. Love all the defensive line depth. And I I do like Rashawn Jenkins. But to me, it's going to come down to, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, like I said. But does Josh Allen start to play like a pro bowler? Does Caleb on Chason play like a starting 
edge that was drafted in the first round? Does Devon Hamilton, does he continue to play how he was playing before he got injured? Can C.J. Henderson play like a first-round pick? Can Jawan Taylor start to look like the Pro Bowl caliber right tackle that he is? Does LaVisca Chenault and D.J. Chark make that jump that you expect with Trevor Lawrence? It's going to come down to the guys that have been drafted early in recent years. It is, and I I didn't see any improvement along the offensive line. And that's something that I still think is very, very important. We have holes on the offensive line, specifically at the guard position, you know, and you went ahead and took the tender um, and, and took the flyer, I mean, on, on Cam Robinson and went ahead and franchise tagged him. And obviously, as of right now, that looks like a great move um, the way everything's shaped out. But there still has not been any improvement along the offensive line. I think that is going to be key. Um, obviously, not only Trevor Lawrence is the key. Don't get me wrong. He's 80% of that, probably maybe 75, but but 25% of that's going to be that offensive line. Can you keep him upright? Can you block well enough for James Robinson? There needs to be more improvement there before I can say this team's going to make a great step. Yeah, I do think they will be more competitive without question. I don't think this is a team that's going to be getting blown out in many games. I think they're going to be very competitive, very entertaining. You've got so much depth on the defensive line. Josh Allen should be playing at a high level next year. Um, the cornerback group you got to really like. And, you know, we'll see what happens in the draft. Another factor is can you go get two guys in the draft that pay dividends in year one? Last year, you didn't really do that. Caleb on chase on took most of the season to really get it going and started playing well down the stretch. And CJ Henderson just dealt with injuries. So he wasn't as big of an impact as he could have been either. So can you get two guys in the draft that come in and, and really, you know, make your team better in year one? I don't think you should draft solely for that purpose. I like this. But it'd draft be nice if you could get that much, much more than I did the last year's. So that that obviously plays a huge role into it. I think that you're not going to go out there and whiff on a guy um, like you did with Chase on, what was it, 22, I think, last year. Um, as of right whiff, now, but it's he a whiff. He wasn't ready. There were, there were definitely ready. players that were drafted after, very close after, that have made much bigger impacts. I mean, look, I, I hope the guy the best, and I hope he becomes an impactful player. I hope he becomes everything that you would hope a first-round edge rusher would be, but let's just call it how it is. As of, you know, as of right now, it took him – 13 weeks to even get up to NFL speed and start making any sort of impact. The impact was there, but we got to see it again. You know, it can happen. Don't get me wrong. But as of right now, it's a total whiff. So looking at this year's draft class, I think that's a lot deeper. You know, there are, are honestly probably more guys that are, are first round talents and there are first round picks in my total and honest opinion. So I think you're in a really good spot to, to really get, two, even three, maybe four guys who can make an immediate impact coming up next year, just given how many picks you have. I mean, you've got four in the first, what, 45? Uh, those, all those guys, based on what I've seen on this draft board, this draft class, could be you know, in immediate impact players. And I think your first three draft picks right there, regardless of who you take, as long as you don't reach or, or take a flyer on anybody, you're going to get three first-round draft talents. It's just how deep this class is, in my opinion. I mean, if you get the if you get that if you get three guys in this draft class that come in and make an immediate impact, I think you could be talking about the Jaguars at least competing for the seventh seed in the AFC. 
obviously there's a lot left to get to this offseason. They are not done with free agency. They are not done upgrading this roster. And the draft is not for about a month and another, a month and a half, basically. Month and 12 days, it looks like. So a lot left is going to go into this roster. But I agree with you. As of right now, I don't think this is a playoff roster yet. Could it be? It could be. And, you know, if Trevor Lawrence comes in and plays lights out, all bets are off. You never know what could happen. Uh, so it's it's going to be really fun to see how the rest of this all plays out. I think the Jaguars did a very good job in free agency the first couple of days of the legal tampering period. I wouldn't give them an A+. Plus. I'd probably be getting be giving them about a B plus because I think I think you could have done a lot better when it comes to if you could have got Jonu Smith or Hunter Henry, I think that would have been a home run. You could have been looking at uh, an A grade. And I think John Johnson, as much as I like Rayshon Jenkins, I think John Johnson is a much better football player. So I think you would have I liked definitely to agree. Have I, I think that's well. the one player that I could really look at and say that they just they, they took the shot and they missed because John Johnson took less money, reportedly less money, um, to to go over there to Cleveland, and th- then he would have to potentially. I think they're probably talking about the Jags when it comes to money. Um, that report came out a little bit after he signed, so that's the first one that I could think they swung and missed on. But there's a lot of time um, between now and the start of the season, and a lot of places they can still improve. So they just got to take the right steps, um, you know, and, and really prove to us they're going to be competent. That this regime is going to be different than the other ones we've seen in the past. Yeah, and do you agree with me what I said though about this team is not going to be getting? This isn't a team that's going to be blown out like last year's team. I think they'll be very competitive. Even I would like to say yes, because what we saw last year, I think was just unfathomable. I mean, we, it's the worst defense, probably one of the worst defenses in NFL history. And that was a big part of, of, of us getting blown out so consistently as we became so narrow in the offensive game. We really got away from where our strengths were as an offense because of our defense. So I don't think we'll be getting blown out like that. No, I really hope we're not. If we are, then this this, this regime better be gone week four as well. There, there's no reason to be getting blown out like that in the NFL. I do not think we will get blown out like that again. Um, it would be really sad to see that happen because we're already improved so much. Um, and the only place you can go is up. I think you know the defense was almost at rock bottom last year. So I do agree with you. I don't think we'll be getting blown out. I think we'll be much much more competitive from the get-go. Uh, because even if you have a mediocre offense or a mediocre defense or one that's much stronger than the other per se, you're going to be in games. If, if you've got an offense that is firing on all cylinders, very efficient, playing very well with a new quarterback at the helm, and you have an iffy defense, you'll still find a way to win more games than you lose. Yeah, and uh, that's going to be the goal, certainly, with Trevor Lawrence. So that's going to wrap up the show. I think we've had a very productive discussion, broke down all the free agent signings, broke down what could be coming uh, down the road, and and whether this team's ready to compete or not. And we don't think that they're a playoff team yet, but that could change throughout the offseason. And even though they added some veteran talent, this still is a very young football team. So you could see... You could see big jumps from some guys. We'll see how it all plays out. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Been with Jeremy Markoski. Follow him at Jeremy Markoski on Twitter. Myself at Jordan DeLugo. Shout out to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast. 
We really appreciate everyone for listening. Hope you have enjoyed this free agency period, even though free agency didn't officially kick off today. We all know it, it kicked off on Monday, and it's been it's been a, a roller coaster of a ride for sure. But overall, I think the Jaguars did a very good job improving their roster, and they're going to have a chance to keep doing that over the next couple days and weeks, and then have a chance to really improve their future April 29th when the first round of the draft. Uh, when that rolls around. Again, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Go Jacks.